Well, good morning again, and uh, thanks for being with us once again. Um, I get to kick off this uh, morning's message. We are in, well, I guess at the end of a three-part mini-series called 2021. And if you're wondering how that came about, uh, and if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, uh, we had an opportunity in the month of January to go away for an overnight retreat. Uh, the formation team couples, the painters, the, uh, the Demays, and my wife and I uh, got to invite three other couples from the congregation, uh, people that we respected, that we admire, and who represented some different demographics uh, than ours. And we got away overnight, spent some time praying and just sharing and pressing into God about, Lord, what do you want to be the focus and the filter for the rest of, of 2021? And it was really cool, as Dan shared a couple weeks ago, but, but towards the end of that, we really felt that next morning that there was just clarity around three words. And the first word is uh, encounter. And, and when we tied that back to 2021, we felt like everything needed to be tied back to the one. And so we felt like, man, one encounter, one encounter with Jesus. What is the power of that? How were lives changed, both in the Bible and in our day and in our own lives, by encountering? And how can we as a church family be more intentional about facilitating encounters with Jesus? Not putting on a show, but truly helping you and each other and our community encounter Jesus and meet him and have lives be changed. The second one was one step, and the word was empower or equip. How can we choose to take one step, or how can we as a church family provide opportunities for each other to just, man, maybe this discipleship training course is the next one step for you, whatever it might be. How can I take one step, just grow by 1%, in following Jesus today. And so that was last week. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I encourage you to go back and hear that. We've got those available online. But this weekend, we're talking about the third word that we felt was to be a filter for our prayers, for our strategy, for the things that we do as a church family. And that is uh, engage the one. Engage the one. As we look at scripture, we see all kinds of examples of Jesus leaving the crowds, leaving the many, and going after the one. And we just felt like God is calling us to, to pray into and to, and to ask him, Lord, how can we be a congregation that doesn't just go after all of the, 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 the activity and all of the buzz and the hullabaloo, but, but that can say, you know what? This person over here is the one that Jesus is going after right now. And I can just put everything on hold, or even we as a family sometimes can put things on hold and let Jesus minister to the one and do it through us. And so that's what I get to open up. We're gonna, how we're doing it is kind of fun too, where we're uh, not just having one person give the entire message, but we're having kind of a, a teaching team extravaganza. A teaching team bonanza. I don't even know what that word means. Okay, anyway, uh, we're having uh, several members, if not all of our teaching team, share with you short snippets uh, of what we felt like God's vision was for us as a family. So I'm kicking it off, but then there's going to be uh, some others that are going to come up and join us, including this weekend. I'm going to get to introduce in just a moment one of the couples that was with us at that vision team retreat, and you're going to be blessed by what they share. Uh, again, this is not our normal format every single weekend of the year to have all the different teachings, but we, we love to try new things to see how God uses different things to speak to different people. So uh, we're talking about Engage the One, and I wanted to kick off uh, just by saying, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you felt really uncomfortable because you felt uh, you were out of your depth and you were being asked to give something that you just didn't have? Ever been in a Bible study where you were asked to like, well, what do you think now, you know, Bobby? And you're like, Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's the time when you give a message in tongues. Pray that there's no interpretation. You're good. <laughs> Have you ever been asked to lead like the birthday song at a party? You're like, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. No, don't tell me to do that. You know, Have you ever asked to, you know, be a, contribute in some way where you were just like, no, 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 please don't let them look at me. Don't, don't, don't please not right now. Because you just feel like I'm just, I don't have what is being asked of me. And I have good news for you today. As we hear this challenge from the Word of God on engaging the one, I want you to remember this the entire time from start to finish. The good news is, the good news is this. God never asks us to give out something that ha he hasn't first put into us. Isn't that good news? <laughs> I love that. God never asks us to give something away that he hasn't first 
given us. And when we talk about engage, um, that is the good news. Jesus, when he sent his 12 disciples out in Matthew chapter 10, says he gave them authority to drive out demon, evil spirits and heal the sick and all that. But then he said these words, freely you have received, freely give. See the order in which that appears? I think that's really, really important. Freely we have received. He has poured into our lives and is going to continue every day to pour into our lives so that we then have something that we can use to engage someone else with. Does that make sense? And I think that's really good news. Look at the word engage just for a quick second. The definition means this, to occupy, attract, or involve someone's interest or attention. To occupy, attract, or involve someone's interest or attention. I love the way that God leads by example, don't you? As I look at creation, I find that God did some crazy stuff to occupy and attract my attention and your attention. Would you agree? Like literally, like he could have probably created like our solar system and kind of been like, okay, like that's quite a bit, a bunch of billions of stars and, you know, some planets. And that would have been pretty cool and kept us pretty occupied for, I'm sure, a while. And we discovered the telescope, you know, and invented the telescope. Oh, wow, look at that. But no, he didn't stop there. He's like, no, we're just going to go past it. You know, trillions of light years. Just keep it going. Just throw a bunch of stuff out there. Why? To make us be like, wow. You know, even our most incredible technology can't even see the end. So if anybody has claustrophobia, that's good news. We're in a big, big place. So thank, thank you, Jesus, for making the universe so big. Okay, but I'm just saying, the Garden of Eden, everything, the animals, the taste, the smells, the flowers, cumin. Anyone? I am a cumin fan. I love cumin. My wife teases me. I put it in everything. It's so good. It makes everything taste a little bit more Mexican and just delicious. Anyway, thank God for cumin. Can I get a witness? Now, this one I'm going on a risk. Thank God for cilantro. Yes? Oh, yes! I love cilantro. It's one of those I know people can go there. I'm just saying, everything that God did, all the work and thought he put into creation was to get your attention, to captivate you, to engage you, to get you to, to, to go, whoa. And guess what? He didn't stop by doing it for us, but he's put splendor in us that he wants to use to captivate someone else's attention. How do I know that? Isaiah 55. God makes this word through the prophet. He says, surely you will summon nations you know not. So it's talking about, man, we can have a global impact. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, listen to this, for he has endowed you with splendor. He has endowed you with splendor. Stop for a minute and think about it. Maybe close your eyes if you need to. I'm here to tell you, God has endowed you with splendor. God has put something inside of you, and it might be some simple thing that you think is no big deal, that you're like, well, that's not that spiritual, or that's not that whatever. I have, we have some close friends who actually married into our family. Hallelujah. She's one of the best cooks I know. Her name is Sybil. Sybil, if you're watching, hi. They moved to Florida last year, but um, she cooks in a way that can make a grown man fall to his knees and just worship. Thank you. Thank you, God. You know, how many of you guys have tasted Sybil's cooking? Several of you. Am I right? Like, literally the splendor of God shows through her cooking. She uses cumin, by the way, so I'm just sorry I gave out one of your secrets, but, but I mean, she makes these meals, and she has people come in in hospitality, and you never feel so loved and so welcomed and so valued as when this plate of jasmine rice and seco from Peru is set before you. <sighs> okay, guess what? That's part of the splendor that God has put in Sybil. But I want you to think for a minute. It might not be cooking. It might be something totally different. But it might be something so simple, guys. But God has put splendor in you. And he wants to open your eyes, even as we hear this challenge today, to the way that he's uniquely gifted you and uniquely prepared you to engage someone through whatever that thing is that he's put inside of you that can help build a bridge and make someone feel pursued by God and make them aware that there is a creator and a redeemer who is wanting to occupy, attract, or involve their attention and reveal himself to them. 
Remember that. It's good news. Hey, as we move forward, I want to introduce this awesome couple that's going to take the next segment of our message today. Uh, she used to be our youth pastor right here at when this used to be a Jubilee Fellowship Church campus years ago, and she just did an incredible job of going after our young men and women, just showing them that exact value that Jesus loves them and is uh, pursuing and engaging them right where they're at. And she raised up a generation of, of world changers, and they've gone on to, man, some of them are still serving right here at Shine, and others are impacting others. She ended up moving to what I re lovingly refer to as the island of Costa Rica. For those of you that don't know geography, Costa Rica is not an island. Who knew, right? Exactly. Puerto Rico is the island. Costa Rica is actually just right there in the, you know, strip of land. Anyway, long story, but I used to think it was an island, and I'm slowly coming to the reality that it's not. But she moved to Costa Rica, was involved there as a missionary with those who are victims of human trafficking and even the perpetrators going after them. Uh, God used her in incredible ways. In the process, she met someone, brought him back as her own personal souvenir to the United States of America, and married him. His name is Manny. He's the answer to all of our question of, how will anyone be worthy enough for Ashley Cooper? And God was like, no, he didn't say hold anything, but he proved us all wrong. Manny's awesome. So I want you guys to welcome two world changers, followers of Jesus, and beloved members of our family, members of this vision team, Ashley and Manny Loaiza. Hello. For the um, record, Costa Rica is a tiny country. <laughs> <laughs> we're tiny, but we're a country. It's kind of like an island, but you know. Not quite an island. <laughs> well, we're super excited to share with you guys today. Um, Manny's going to start, so, um, but thanks for having us. All right, so we're going to talk about um, the engage part with going after the one. And um, it's awesome because um, the way God works, it's so powerful. We have been trying to work in days uh, for a few weeks, and just life is busy, work, and babies coming and trying to get a house and all this stuff so life is just like crazy and busy so I was a little concerned that I didn't have a lot of time to prepare myself well and uh, yesterday as we were worshiping and <clears throat> as uh, Janelle was going on and on after this simple and short but powerful uh, phrase uh, God I need you and I want you and I just had such an awesome moment right there and basically God gave me what I needed to share right there in that moment, and that was pretty pretty cool. That's sometimes how he works. So I can literally just share that, but I'm going to still share a little bit of the other things that we have. So <clears throat> it's really, <laughs> so yeah, so what, what literally got, just spoke to me uh, last night over there, it's um, what well, we're, we're going to share about going after the one, and that's basically a two-part process of engaging. It's my engagement, my personal, intimate engagement with the Lord, and then um, after I'm, I'm uh, full of his goodness, full of his grace, full of his mercy, full of Jesus, I can go and pursue the one that he's placing in front of me. So uh, what, what God just put in my heart last night, it was um, I engage with God because I need him and I want him. I depend on him. The more I recognize my need and want of God for my own life, the more I can the more I can care for the things and people that God cares for, the things that his heart burns for, um, the more I engage and fall in love with God, the more I can love that person God wants me to pursue and love like God loves me. So basically, uh, there's not a lot that I can offer on my behalf. Uh, my own brokenness, my own flesh, my own wisdom or talents or knowledge. Uh, but there's a lot, there's everything that I can offer to someone else on behalf of God, on behalf of God, through his son Jesus, if I'm doing my part of engaging with him. Um, <clears throat> so basically, church, um, we have challenged our community and ourselves uh, to go one step, uh, sorry, one step deeper uh, with God, 1% a day. It's just 1% a day. Some, one, one, just a simple thing different that I can do today that I didn't do yesterday, or that I actually did yesterday, and I want to improve today. Um, so, which essentially means just fall in love with God. Fall in love with who he created you to be, 
fall in love with him as if nothing else mattered. So scripture says in Matthew 22, uh, 36, 39, it says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so the, the more we can fall in love with God, the more I learn how to love myself the way God loves me, and the more I can go and pursue the one that he's placing in front of me, and I can love that person, and I can serve that person the, God, uh, the way God does with me. So, um, yeah, we have a pretty um, awesome story that we experienced in Costa Rica, and Ashley's going to share a little bit about that. So, um, so Mini and I met, um, or we, I guess we started dating the same month that we opened a safe house down in Costa Rica, the ministry I was working for, um, for girls that were sexually exploited. And, um, and these girls, obviously, like, I spent a ton of time with them, um, but, but Mini started spending time with them as we were dating and just kind of getting to know each other. Um, and one of these girls, uh, her name was Genesis, Genesis, I guess in English. Um, and she, um, and she just had a, she had a mom who would just speak these horrible things over her. She would say like, you're a monster, you're disgusting, you're fat. I don't want you in my house. Get out. Would kick her out all the time. Um, and, and a lot of that had to do with like how her story ended up. And, um, and so Manny just one day really felt from the Lord, there's some words that I need to speak over her. And, and Manny's not necessarily a words person, but just said, God, what is it that you want for her? And, and so in, not out of Manny, but really out of the Lord, um, and I, I just witnessed this in sort of a standby way, but um, it was so beautiful. He said, Genesis, I want you to remember um, these six words. And it was like, I don't know if I have them exactly, but they were like, you are strong, you are brave, you are beautiful, you're incredible, you're a warrior, smart, you're smart. Um, and you have purpose. And so anyway, whatever these six words were, she went around just saying them over and over and over again. And Manny had this different way of being able to reach her because he's a man, because he represents something that was so broken in her life, um, and, and just speak these things over her, really just being a vessel for God to say these things over her life. And it was such a beautiful thing because she's completely transformed and believes so many different things about herself now than when, than when she came to us um, because of that moment. So I thought that was super impactful. Yeah, so like she said, I'm, I'm, I'm not a words person, so it's hard for me sometimes just to put together words. <laughs> I'm more of a creative person. So, um, so yeah, that moment was really powerful for me because when, when I was having that conversation with her and she just shared her heart, my heart was completely broken for hers in that moment. And the only way that I was able to offer her something that was going to able to impact her life, it's because um, I'm doing my part, which my part is investing in my personal relationship with my father, engaging, um, engaging with my heavenly father so that I can be able to actually offer people what he's uh, placing and putting in my heart. So um, what better example that Jesus, our savior, the Messiah, the son of God, um, he even needed this. We can... Um, we, we see along scripture like over and over and over how Jesus was pursuing and was very intentional um, of setting himself apart from his disciple and from the things that he was doing in order to go and have this uh, personal daily engagement with his father. Um, we can see that through four different verses. Um, Matthew 14, 23, it says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And this happened in between when Jesus was uh, feeding the 5,000 and walking on water. We can see it on Mark 1.35. Uh, very, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Again, he was very intentional on pursuing his engagement with his father, our father. Luke 5, 16. 
um, sorry, in that, that verse that I just said, it happened in between driving out demons and healing the leper. Again, Jesus was able to go and do his father's will because he was intentional about um, engaging with himself. I'm sorry, yeah, with, with God, our father. Uh, Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew the lonely places and prayed. Again, he was pursuing that um, solitary moment, that one-on-one -on -one with his father. This was in between more healings. Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God. So over and over, we see how Jesus himself, the Messiah, the Son of God, our Savior, the one who is holy and perfect, he still needed that. So how much more do we need our time with the Father so that we can be equipped by himself and go and do what he has called us to do, which is going after the, uh, going after the one. Um, so, yeah, when, when, when we go to Jesus first, uh, when we choose to fall in love with him, when we spend daily time with him in his presence, intentional about connecting and engaging with him, it's when we are equipped to go after the one that he has placed in our heart. Um, and I just want to share a little bit um, before, before I get started. I guess I didn't share this last night, but, um, but a really cool example of that. Um, one of the things that we used to do in Costa Rica is we would go and serve coffee in front of this big brothel, basically. And um, there was this guy that always hung out there. He was homeless, and he was the nicest guy. <laughs> and so every time we went, um, you know, we would bring coffee and cookies, and everybody was buying something or selling something, either drugs or, you know, there's a lot of promiscuous things happening there, we'll say that, and um, and we were just there with coffee and prayer, <laughs> and it was like kind of awkward, <laughs> you know, but um, but he loved it, and so we would sit there and talk, and I knew everything about him, and he knew everything about me, he would ask me about my family, everything like that, um, great guy, um, but, but we never really got any deeper than that, and I can say pretty, pretty confidently, like I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I never really prayed for him. I would go to that corner, I would give him a cup of coffee, it was a thing, but I never really prayed for him. I never really asked God, what does this guy specifically need, even though I knew I would see him. Um, so the very first time I bring Manny with us, um, I'm, you know, just doing our thing, and it just became so routine. Who's Who's been there? Like, ministry is just routine for me, right? So I'm just going out, doing my thing, um, and, and it doesn't become anything supernatural, right? Um, and so I'm doing my thing, I'm trying to get everybody, like, you know, the the crowd of our people to the corner and and Manny just like stops like a block back <laughs> and I was like where's Manny what's going on um and and Manny just like stopped and so I'm like okay well I have to get like the cup set up and all the things you know um and and anyway Manny comes and and what Manny had been doing in that moment is he just like stopped and felt like God just bring to his heart like I'm praying I'm gonna pray for that guy and it was my friend Ray the the, the guy, and, and so Manny, when he walks up, just walks straight over to Ray and just gets on his knees and says, can I pray for your foot? And I knew that he had like a limp or something going on, but Manny just felt like the Lord told him, go to that guy and pray for his foot. And it was because Manny took that time to just say like, hey, I want to know what you want to do in the life of that person. And there's such a difference between the supernatural and the natural. Like, what, what I could do and go serving a thousand cups of coffee to people is not even close to what Manny did in those 15 seconds because he just said, God, I want to invite you into this. And another example in the word of this is in Isaiah 6. Um, and we've maybe heard this verse, but it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And this story, if you read a little bit back in the, like a few verses back, basically Isaiah has this vision and he's looking at God in all of his glory. And he, he's like watching the angels fly and just saying like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he just like is in this beautiful moment and then suddenly realizes I shouldn't be here. Like I'm not good enough to be here. I don't, I don't, you know, stand a chance against the glory of God. I shouldn't be here. And then he gets immediately forgiven. <laughs> He realizes like my sin and the depth of my depravity is so deep and then he gets immediately forgiven basically. <laughs> and then he's just sitting there in the presence of God like, 
okay, I, I can be here. I just want to be close to God. I just, I understand the depth of what he's forgiven me for. I understand who, my, who I am, my identity in him. And, and I just want to be close to God. And then God says, who shall we send and who will go for me? And in that place, like Isaiah doesn't go, well, like, let me check my schedule. Um, let me see if I have time here. Um, you know, let's see. I don't know how much it'll cost. And I don't have that much money. Um, so I'm just going to kind of stay in the background here and wait to see who else raises their hand. No, like Isaiah can't help himself. He's just like, uh, me, me. Like, I'm here. I can do it. And, and so that depth of understanding your relationship with God and understanding who you are in that really makes you available. It makes you, it makes you come to a place where it's, the, the things don't matter, right? The, the why, the who, the how much, the how much time, like just stops mattering because you're, you understand the heart of God in that way. So once you get to that all in and have that deeper understanding of that vision of going after the one, then you can start looking around and saying like, well, who is that one, God? Um, in Matthew 25, 34 to 40, in what is described in the Bible as the final judgment, Jesus says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come who, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Um, sorry, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And I think this verse sometimes brings us to this place of like, all right, checklist of the Christian life, right? I got to go to prison at some point. I got to make sure I go to like the homeless ministry. I got to give all of my clothes to the, you know, to, to the homeless shelter rather than, you know, trying to sell them on Etsy or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I have to like kind of do my checklist of the Christian life and do these like however many times a year. And then I feel good about what it is that, you know, God says in the Bible. But what he's saying here really is not, um, you know, do this checklist of things. He's saying like, everybody needs me. Everybody needs me. And everybody has other needs too. So, so look at those needs. Look at the needs that people have and pour out and give those needs. Take somebody for a meal, but understand that the meal is not the gold in that. The meal is not what you're giving that person. I am what you're giving that person. So make sure as you go to a meal with this person and you buy their tacos or whatever it is, you know, that you stand and you ask me, what is it that you want to say to this person? What is it that you want to express to this person? Maybe it really just is the tacos that day and they're going to see Jesus through that. But maybe someday it's going to be prayer or maybe it's going to be like, hey, can I invite you to go to church? Or, hey, can I invite you to just, can I, can I just like, you know, ask you about your life or, or something like that? We can't even know until we engage with God. But understanding that God is the gold in those things. God is the gold in your extra clothes that you give away. God is the gold. Um, so meeting those needs, but asking God really intentionally, how is it that I, um, how is it that I make you the gold in the center of what this looks like? Um, this is not a call to serve at a soup kitchen once a year to fulfill your duty. Um, as a good Christian, we're, walking, we're talking about being so close to God that whoever is around you, you can supernaturally, just like Manny did with Ray, you can supernaturally see what it is that they really need. Not their physical need necessarily, but their spiritual need um, from God. In Matthew 18, 12 to 14, um, it says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And as, if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So Shine's not going to be doing a bunch of random service projects for you this year as a way to pursue, you know, this one. But Shine will be really challenging you guys to actually think about, like, who is my one? It could be your son or daughter. 
It could be your neighbor. It could be the Starbucks barista that you see all the time or the, the clerk at your favorite fast food restaurant or just randomly a person who's on the street one day that you that is in your sphere of influence that suddenly shows up there and you know this is, this is what God wants me to do with this person. But it's just really going after those people and being available um, in that way. I would say um, I want to... Um, tell you guys like where, where I'm at right now in my life. Um, I've just been really praying about like, what does this look like for me? Um, who is that one for me? Um, and I work at a very prominent Christian school and there are some students there and they, um, they're a part of the LGBTQ community. And I feel like because the school isn't really sure where, um, how, how to handle that, they feel very hurt and very, not sure how to handle what's going on, basically. And I want to love those people. I feel like that's kind of my, I guess, the people that, my one that God has put in front of me. And so I would ask you to keep me accountable for that. Ask me about it, (laughs) because I really want to keep praying for them and asking God, like, what does this look like? How do I love these people well in the way, and tell them what you want them to hear? Um, and, And I would ask you guys to think for yourselves, too. Like, what does that look like for you? We live in a world of broken people, and we're broken people. So how can we actually be available for God to say, hey, I want you to go after that one and that one and that one. So I would just challenge you guys to do the same thing. Yeah, and yeah, we believe that's, that's the beauty in, 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 the, in such a rich process of, of daily growth um, and, and getting closer to the Father. And the more I can get closer, the more I, the, the more I can get close to my Father, the more I can... Uh, present myself as an empty vessel so that he can uh, give me what I need, not only for my life, but also for others, uh, the more I'm going to be filled of all of who he is, that we can go and pursue the one. Uh, if we try to do that in our own strength, our own wisdom, it's the outcome is going to be a lot of frustration, and it's draining because uh, we all are full of needs. And so um, whatever we're going to share, it's not based on who I am, but based on who he is. Um, and just to, to think about something very interesting that um, I read this last week on a Bible plan that I'm doing uh, in super interesting because it's a completely different topic, but somehow the last day of the plan, it was 100% connected to what we are sharing today. And the last day of the, I'm just going to share a, a li- the highlight of, of, of the reading the plan, and the, the study starts with the question, what does love require of me? And then it starts going, and this completely, like, got my attention. Um, love fills the gaps. Love reduces the friction created by our limited insight, knowledge, and judgment, inhibiting experiences. There is much I don't know. There are things I will never understand, but my ignorance does not impede my capacity to put others first and love them first. Thank you. Um, so good. And as I'm listening to them just share their hearts and um, the wisdom that they have, um, I just am just continually blown away at what is in this church, what is in this fellowship. And um, there's a depth of what God wants to do in you. And um, I hope that we've done a good job in the last two and a half years of, of Shine Church that we have been um, encouraging you, engage with God so that you can engage with others, as Ashley and Manny were just sharing. And I want you to understand that we as a leadership team at the church, we want to come alongside of you and help you to be equipped to do these things. And I think that's really the heart. I think a lot of churches will do outreaches um, and take people, and that's great. But what we really need to do is actually come and encourage you with who God is speaking to you and help empower and help you to engage with that one um, because sometimes that person that you're going to reach that God is calling you to is not on the church's radar and any little community or outreach isn't actually going to hit them. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. And one of the things that we've been teaching 
um, the entire church this whole time is, hey, let's engage with God. Let's engage with one another. Um, but I think there's two parts to engaging with one another. The first one is we need to engage with one another so that we can start living life together so that we have people in our life that can sharpen us, that can help us to grow in our walk with the Lord. But we can't just stop there. And I think uh, another um, maybe a tactic of the enemy is to let you get into a group of people and get real comfortable and then you're satisfied there and you stay there and you start to develop that relationship and you live life together with that person, which is great. We want you to do that. But if you stop there and don't keep the heart of God for the rest of the world, those that you could touch, um, you miss out on an opportunity to actually be the light or as Ashley was saying, be the gold of Jesus to that person. And so I just, I want to encourage you, yes, search for and seek out deep relationships and family inside of the body of Christ, the community, but also be open to God speaking to you about those outside of your circle that he wants to minister to through you. Amen? All right, I'm going to read a C.S. Lewis quote to you. Um, and I put it on the screen because I don't know if you've ever read any of C.S. Lewis stuff, but he is heady, man. <laughs> Um, I, the only books I really truly understand from him are his kids' books, you know, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and that kind of stuff. I, 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 when it gets into his stuff, man, I have to read it over and over and over. But here is a quote that I think absolutely has to do with everything we're talking about today. It begins by saying that this, it is a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which if you say it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet only in a nightmare. Okay, I'm gonna stop real quick. What is C.S. Lewis saying right here? He is saying this. In your day-to-day -day activity, you respond and you interact with people each and every day. And they are either in one of two places. They either know Jesus Christ and because of that have the glory of the Holy Spirit in them. And if you truly saw them the way that God saw them, you would want to worship them. Okay, this is good. This is good amen here. You can be vocal here. Or if they don't have Jesus in their heart, where they are going to ultimately end up for their eternal life would be a fright to you to the extent of a terrible nightmare. Do you get the picture of what he's painting here? He goes on then and says this, all day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. All day long. We are, in some degree, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. Oh, man, I read this. I highlighted it, and then I just started to meditate on this. Church, listen, what C.S. Lewis is saying, I believe is absolutely true, and that is this. You and I interact with people all day long. And the people that we interact with, whether it's a cashier at the grocery store, a waiter or a waitress at, at a restaurant, somebody you're driving by, uh, all day long we're interacting with people. And I was convicted that I view those people, oh, it's just another person. It's just an ordinary person. It's just another ordinary person. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is if you understand this concept, there are no ordinary people. They either have the glory of God in which if you really saw, you'd want to worship them, or they are being deceived and have been um, manipulated by the enemy, and it would frighten you at the condition of where they are. And you and I, we get the opportunity to minister to individual after individual. And what, if, what would it be like, church, if we could actually understand that um, a person either had the spirit in them and we could encourage them and sharpen them and help them, or they don't have the spirit and we could actually bring the gold of Jesus to them by our interaction and how we react and respond to them. And it was just so convicting in my heart because I began to realize, oh my gosh, there are no ordinary people. Every single day I get the opportunity to interact with people and I can actually encourage them or even maybe bring them to the Lord. And 
I would just challenge you with this. How about this? What if we as a church start to pray for the discernment of the Holy Spirit, that when we interact with people, we would either have the experience that Elizabeth and Mary had. When Mary stepped into the room with Elizabeth, the word of God says that the baby leapt in her womb. And we used to minister in South Carolina, and we had this lady that would walk into the room, and, and she would go, ooh, the Jesus in me just leapt at the Jesus in you. And I'd be like, really? I mean, how cool is that? She just had this discernment where she just knew somebody if they had Jesus in them because the spirit testified to spirit, which the word of God says. Or what if we had an interaction with somebody where we just knew, oh wow, they're lost and I've got the good news, the truth for them. And when we have a perspective that there are no ordinary people, then we will get that perspective and, and maybe the discernment from the Holy Spirit to actually minister one at a time to the people that we interact in our every single day, every, every single day of our lives. He goes on a little bit later um, in that, and he said, next to the blessed sacrament, so next to Christ himself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Think about that. The people that have the spirit of God in them, next to God himself, they're the next holiest object that you'll be in the presence of. And man, if we had that understanding, I think we would interact with each other a little bit different. And so um, earlier this year, in 27 years of marriage, I've never asked my wife, what do you think I should read? I got this boldness about me, and I was like, is there a book you think I should read? And she was like, you need to read this. And it surprised the world by Michael Frost. And it's actually just a really practical way to um, start to engage the one. It gives you some just really practical um, insight into how to do this. And so I, in the U version, I put the link to the Amazon page. I would strongly encourage you. It's an easy read, um, but it's very practical, and I think that you will enjoy that. Um, anybody in here want this? All right. Uh, you closed your eyes, Kim. If you wouldn't have closed your eyes, you would have caught that. Um, but I just will finish my segment by saying this. What would it look like if we truly believed there were no ordinary people? And if we actually interacted that way. And so church, um, as a leadership team, we want to come alongside of you and help you in that. And so if you have the Lord speak to you who that one is that you're supposed to talk to, but you want to have uh, some help to do that. You don't know what to say or how to say it or come see us. We will be glad to actually help you with that process. Um, but ultimately, understand this. God is asking each one of us to stretch ourselves in these relationships. And um, if it's not a little scary, you're probably not doing something right. Okay, when we step out into the things that God has for us, it's going to stretch us. It's going to be a little nerve-wracking, but I want to encourage you. Um, let's do it. Let's step out into those things because when we step out, that's when the Holy Spirit comes, gives us the words to say, and people's lives will be radically changed. Okay, so what that makes me think of, there's a song, and this is some, apparently we're giving away things today books and other things. Last night I said, if you can guess who sings this song, I'll give you a Starbucks gift card. And I mean it. I sent her a gift card. So this goes for you this morning too. We're just ordinary people. We don't know which way to go. Anybody? Do you know who sings it? We're just ordinary people. I don't know all the words. That's just what it makes me think of. Does anybody know who sings that song? He's a legend. John Legend, who said that? All right, I'll come find you after service. All right. Um, well, hey, I just, I'm going to wrap this up this morning with just talking a little bit about the practical side. I think sometimes we can hear something like this and we're like, we love people and we love the Lord. We just don't know what to do next. And so the practical side of this um, is simply this we have to make ourselves available to be used by God. And how do we do that? That comes on so many levels. There's the spiritual level, obviously, of just meeting with the Lord and listening to his voice. But there's also something as simple as scheduling, right? And I don't know about you, but I will fill my schedule to the brim. And then I don't have an extra moment 
maybe when I'm supposed to take one to stop for the one like we've been talking about. And so um, I think margin is incredibly powerful. Something as simple as this doesn't always happen, but probably a month ago, I was early to work. Hey. And so I love a good Diet Coke. And so I drove to the gas station because I was early. And I went in and I end up just totally feeling in my spirit. The Lord highlights this lady who's at the pump in front of me. And lo and behold, just, you know, asks me to go talk to her. And I do. And it, she just was someone who she just desperately needed encouragement. She was in the middle of a hopeless moment, felt like she couldn't continue in her day. And if I hadn't had margin, and I'm telling myself this, if I hadn't had margin that day, I couldn't have said yes to what the Lord wanted because then my schedule and my priorities push out what God has. And so choosing availability puts God's priorities before our own. It's a proactive choice and a practice that we make. And when I was a missions pastor, we would always say the number one motto in missions is be flexible. If we can be flexible, if we can hold the plans of our day lightly and say, Lord, use me, do what you will. I, my to-do list is not as important as yours is. So something really, 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 really simple, okay? Um, Pastor Kim's sister, Amy, and her husband, CP, years ago talked to me about this concept of driving with Jesus. You already drive, right? And so they would always say, whenever I drive, I just talk to Jesus like he's in the passenger seat. And maybe he'll have a word for me that day that I need to hear. Or maybe he'll have a word that I'm supposed to share with somebody else. But I have created an atmosphere and an expectation to hear from the Lord and to be ready to give out what he shares with me. Again, very practical, but we can do that. I can go on a drive with Jesus, right? The other thing, my husband and I do this personally and with our kids. We do these things called toothbrushing prayers. Hopefully, your dentist would say, I hope you brush your teeth every day. And so if you do that, that's already time that you have carved out. And we just take that time intentionally while we brush our teeth to pray for someone. Maybe this morning as we've been talking, you already have identified who your one is. You know who you're supposed to go after. And so I encourage you, when you brush your teeth tonight, use that time to pray for that person. It's really beautiful. And if you don't know who that person is, use that time to ask the Lord, who am I supposed to focus on? Who can I minister to? And I ended up seeing this in the story of Mary, just a couple things that I found very encouraging about the choice to be available, but also our humanity in being available. So this is kind of a mouthful of scripture. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll give you these points. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, of Elizabeth, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is what we see in this scripture. As you can imagine, Mary had plans as we all do. And finding out that you're going to now deliver 
the son of God would be fairly disruptive, would it not? Right? And so we see it's so beautiful. She chose to be and you can be available because you are favored and the Lord is with you. It says you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. And so she knew that she could count on him and choose to be available. It goes on to say she was troubled and then she had questions that she asked. You can be troubled and you can have questions and doubts and you can still be available. That does not disqualify you from being used by God. So don't let the enemy lie to you that anything else is true. Don't let him cause you to doubt yourself because you maybe are asking some questions. That's okay. And will we just position ourselves and say these words, Lord, would you come on me with power and overshadow me so that they would see Jesus as they interact with you? She was overshadowed. Can you imagine if we were just shrouded in the goodness and the glory of God? He is saturating you this morning. You don't have to try. He overwhelms you and he gives you the power. His spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Our availability is pleasing praise to the Lord. It glorifies his name, and there is, again, there's purpose. It's so beautiful. He wants to use you. He loves to use you. And so if you're comfortable, just put your hands out this morning. Jesus, we ask right now that anything that has been a hindrance to being used by you, any questions that we've had that we've clung to more than we've clung to you, any doubts that need to dissipate, by the power of your spirit, Lord, would you break those lies in the name of Jesus? Would you come upon us with power? Would your spirit overwhelm and overshadow us just like what was promised to Mary? Lord, we know that you promise us your strength and your power so that when we leave this place, the world would see you, would encounter you around every corner and be surprised by your goodness. We offer our lives to you as praise this morning because you are worthy. We love you, Jesus. Amen.